10, 5, he's into the end zone, touchdown Arkansas State. Deflected into the hands of Belts, Avery for three, hits, cover is safe, the Red Wolves have walked it off. Welcome to the Second to None Podcast, the A-State Podcast, presented by Simmons Bank. Now, here's a couple of guys who know the Red Wolves like no one else, Matt Stoltz and Brad Bobo. Hope everybody had a great fourth of july holiday we a little bit later we'll talk about some of the things that happened in a-state athletics this past week pretty quiet week but uh, there were some little nuggets of note that we want to mention a little bit later on but right now we want to begin things with our very special guest in studio want to welcome him in his third season at arkansas state coming up from a-state football Brampton, Ontario native. It's Malik Straker. How are you, Malik? I'm good. Thanks for asking. Uh, I appreciate you guys having me on. Good to have a conversation and keep things rolling. I remember when you first came to Arkansas State, I talked with a few guys just uh, around the team, some of the coaches, and, and they said, you know, this guy's a little bit different. What's your daily routine like? What time do you get up in the morning? Uh, I get up in the morning around 4.30. I make my bed. The first thing I do is I make my bed and then I pray just to, you know, start my day with God and just asking him to basically just guide me throughout my day, keep me safe and allow me to, I guess, inspire others. And then I just start this little workout routine that I've always been doing. I kind of just do some planks, some push-ups, and I jump rope. Um, and then two days out of the week, because I don't want to do too much on my legs, but two days out of the week, I'll go and I'll do a little bit of a run. But yeah, that's normally exactly how I start my morning. Then I'll get back and I'll do a little bit of writing. So whatever I was thinking, maybe on my run or, uh, you know, just doing my planks or whatnot, whatever I was thinking or whatever's going through my mind, I'll kind of write about it. Whatever book that I may have, I'll just read maybe a couple pages. There was this one book that I'm currently reading. It was called To Be Honest by Nellie Sterling. It's a bunch of poems. So a lot of times I get chances to write about those as well. So essentially it's journaling, right? Yeah. Do you go back through? Well, I always end up going back to them and uh, I'll share them with people. In times where, say, maybe somebody might share something with me and I feel like something I wrote may resonate with them, those are times where I'll maybe use that and share that with people. Other than that, it's kind of just kind of stays to myself. I do plan on writing one day. Uh, I don't know exactly what yet, but I do enjoy it. I found that it's kind of weird. In school, like growing up, didn't like to write. <laughs> hated, <laughs> hated writing. But at the same time, I, I felt that once I took a, you know, a personal approach to it, it kind of just flew over into something else that I really enjoy. of college students will scratch their head at anybody who would begin their day at 4.30 in the morning. And not just college students, just anybody. So why get up that early? Is that something that uh, is kind of instilled in you? Do other members of your family do that? Yeah, so my uh, my brother does it as well. He's uh, actually John Mechie. He's a receiver right now for Houston Texans. He does that as well. But my mom, like, and my my pops, like, I always watched them growing up. And they always just woke up, like, really early. And, like, them doing that kind of, they pushed us to, like, wake up early as well. And, you know, I couldn't sleep in if I really wanted to anyways. And I read this book, and it's uh, The 5 A.M. Club by Robin Sharma. And uh, I'm pretty sure a lot of people are familiar with it. But it's this whole idea of starting your day at 5 a.m. because it's a quiet hour. And the only reason I pushed that to like 4.30 is because I felt like if everyone read this book, then everyone's going to do five. Let me do 4.30 just to kind of like <laughs> be one up on whatever. But it's, I guess it's just from a mindset and mentality standpoint of just like knowing that like I'm doing something while most people wouldn't. Brampton, Ontario. That's near Toronto? Yes. Yes, just outside of Toronto. 
just a suburb of Toronto. It's honestly very beautiful, beautiful city, very culturally diverse. That's one thing that I really appreciated about it because it helps me like be able to connect with a lot of different people because I grew up with so many different people, you know. So I think it's a really special place that I hold near and you know dear to myself. Have never been to Toronto, but I've always heard just how beautiful it is up there. So yeah. how long did you live there? So I lived in Toronto pretty much my whole life. I ended up leaving and going to high school in Buffalo, New York. My parents and I made that decision because they felt it was going to be a better opportunity for me just like playing football. That's what I wanted for myself and also a better education as well at St. Francis. So yeah, like growing up in Toronto or growing up in Brampton, like it's pretty similar to just down here, how you would live, like, you know, growing up, you know, go out, you know, I was with your, you know, with your teammates or your boys and hanging out and it was just fun, like really fun. Like every time I just look back and think about it or reminisce, I'm just like, wow, like those are some good times. So as a kid growing up, in Canada, like what's your exposure to football? Because it's just not the first sport people think of when they think of Canada. I would, you, I, heck, I would come up with obviously hockey, hockey but, but course, I mean, yeah. even soccer and, and basketball, baseball, a lot of things before you kind of think about football in Canada. So, yeah, what was your exposure? So, my dad, diehard Steelers fans, my uh, my mom is diehard Steelers fan. And um, essentially, like me seeing them and watching them like enjoy a sport so much, I obviously took a liking to it. And I'm just like, okay, I'm watching this. And I'm like, hey, dad, like I want to play. He was just like, okay. And, you know, I remember us going through like, okay, what are we going to, where are we going to do it? How are we going to do it? And like they had like little youth football leagues and stuff like that that we had. And uh, we ended up playing for something called the Brampton Bulldogs at the time. They weren't going for quite some time. And then they picked back up this past year, which is pretty amazing. But yeah, I started playing for the Brampton Bulldogs when I was like really young. And then it kind of just, I just grew a love for the game, like through there, like just playing and getting coached. And I remember being in class in like elementary school and all I would think about the entire day was just like, I can't wait to like get to practice. Like, I just like this teacher's, the teacher's talking. I'm just like, oh, like, I can't wait to get practice later. Like, you know, so. I hope this is the dumbest question I ask. I hope because I think it's dumb and I don't, I don't plan on beating it. Did he just call it football? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Did you didn't have to grow up calling it American football? No, nah, no. Nah. The one special thing was that when we were when we were like that young, they had like a mixture of American and Canadian rules. So it wasn't third three downs for us; it was four downs to make it a little bit more interesting and more okay. fun for the parents to watch and stuff. Any other sports? No, nah, not really. That that had any value. I mean, I did wrestling and stuff. I came sixth at um, Catholic States in New York mid high school. That was pretty good, but other than that, I didn't do any, like... I think that has value. Yeah. I mean, even for football value, right? Yeah. yeah, learning how to tackle, I guess. <laughs> so, you mentioned your brother. Tell yeah. me about your, your siblings. Were you guys all athletes? So I, so, I have an older sister. My brother's John Mechie, like I said. We could just grew up together, like, that's... And I call him my brother, because it's just, like, that's what it is. It's family at this point. So, basically, you know, we all played sports. My parents felt like we all needed to be... Learn how to play an instrument... And be and play a sport. They felt like that was going to be some somehow to our advantage, like growing up. So at the time, I played the guitar. My little sister played the drums. My other sister played the piano, right? And like it was just stuff that you had to learn. So doing that, obviously, my sisters right now they don't they stopped playing sports. It was just for their choice and what they wanted to do. But I obviously continued, and my brother continued. So yeah, like that was something that I guess was kind of ingrained as in us, like sports. And go ahead and just clarify the connection with with John Mechie. So what, what's that relationship? Yeah, so like we grew up like in Brampton playing youth football, and like we knew each other since we were like seven years old. And ever since then, we just like basically just stayed, grew up together, been around each other. It was just like like that. So you talked about the decision to ultimately 
moved to the United States and, and play. And you said in the Buffalo area, right? Yeah. You, you went to St. Francis High School in Hamburg, New York. So yeah. how long were you there? So I was in Buffalo for two years. And I stayed with the host family. They were amazing to me, treated me well, treated me like family. And that's a time that I really like, I really cherish. Like, cause I, when I look back and it's like, there's things that I learned while I was in high school during that time. And like, a lot of people wouldn't send their, at the time, like 16 years old. A lot of people wouldn't send their, their, their young, like 16 year old child, like off. And my parents like were courageous enough, I guess, to do that. And in that, in those times, like I grew a lot, I grew up, I had to, you know, cause I was essentially on my own. So was the goal always, I mean, by moving to the United States, you wanted to eventually be able to play college football? Yes. Like that's, that's always been the, the main thing. That's always been the, the number one focus is ball um, and getting to the NFL. So like a lot of people, that's their goal growing up and that's their goal when they're playing, you know, any sport is to get to the highest level. But I have so much of a belief and so much of a stance on knowing that that's what I'm going to do. And I like to share that, I guess. <laughs> Why'd you <laughs> choose the... Guitar. It was a cho- it was a choice, and I just guess I just chose that one. It was kind of at random. You have one here with you? No, I don't really play. That's why I said at the time I played the guitar because that, that <laughs> at, anymore I don't think I could really do it. I may know a couple chords, and that's it. So but people make careers off knowing a couple of chords. You're okay. That, that's right. <laughs> I guess that's all you need to know. So you go from uh, Hamburg, New York, yeah. to Northfield, Minnesota. Carlton College. No, actually, yeah. So that's always been the the confusion. So okay. I actually didn't go to Carlton College. I actually went to Carlton University in in Canada. Okay. Yeah. So th- that's 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 pretty that's a pretty funny one because I remember I was always wanting to kind of clear that up. Well, good. I'm yeah. glad you did because <laughs> it's listed as Carlton College. That's yeah. what we see in the United States. So yeah. you went back mm-hmm. to Canada, went yeah. to Carlton University. Now, where's that located? So that's in Ottawa. That's uh, about four hours east of Toronto pretty similar a little bit smaller than Toronto but yeah that football in itself is always Canadian rules Canadian university rules and stuff like that but again my my mindset and my mind frame was always to be down here and to play down here so all right so tell me about Canadian college football do most universities in Canada have football I would think no not most not most but a lot of a lot do I guess more than I guess what some people may think. The college ball itself down there is okay. I would more compare it to like maybe D2 level kind of, which is not bad. It's still good ball. But at the end of the day, my mindset again was always like to be down here and to be playing down here. I really wasn't even thinking about it back when I asked about whether they called it American football. <laughs> Other than the downs, like even at the college level, what was the what are the key differences? So we um, well we played three downs. the The end zone was like twenty yards. Seemed like thirty yards to damn near. But it was you know obviously a lot bigger field. Twelve guys on either side of the ball. Those were like the biggest differences. Obviously the goal the goal post being in the front of the end zone as opposed to in the back of the end zone. And yeah, and it, the adjustment because like obviously being in Buffalo and then playing American ball and then going back home and then playing Canadian. The difference was space because the field was always bigger. But like at the end of the day, you're, you're out there playing essentially the same game right you're mm-hmm. essentially playing the same game you're still going out there you're still you know you're still running and tackling and you have to think about a couple of different things but it's ball so carlton university you played the 2019 season there mm-hmm. and then 2020 got canceled covid yeah okay. covid so we were back in my mind it was always like okay what do i do 
what's next, <laughs> right? It's like, what's next? I want to grow. I want to learn. I want to do something. I want to do more. So during that time of COVID, I just decided that's when, honestly, I got more into writing. That's when I decided to write a little bit more, write about whatever I'm thinking about. In that time, I remember, I remember just telling myself, like, I need to find a way to get down south again. So in that time, I basically ended up talking to my brother and saying, like, hey, like, I want to go to Alabama. That's where I want to be. That's what I want to do. Like, let's make it happen. Let's let's do something. So I ended up going down there, ended up being down there for a little bit, for a while and just working out with him and working out, just doing stuff and working out. And the biggest thing for me was in learning just like how things were functioning was like, I knew I could do it. After being down there for as long as I was, I was like, I knew I could do it. So in that time frame, coach ended up reaching out to me. Coach Jones. Yeah. It was originally Coach Shalala. And then Coach Jones and I ended up having a talk when I came down here to work out for them. And then how, that's how I ended up here. So, I mean, that was mainly in that time of being able to, I guess a lot of people had to sit down for a little bit, <laughs> just like, cause you know, jobs stopped and things like that. It gave me an opportunity to find a new door or a new avenue, which a lot of Canadians never did. Cause majority of the time what would happen was Canadians would go to high school down here and then you hopefully get a division one scholarship or whatever. And then you go off to play and um, most don't go back and then, but I had to find a way. So you used that COVID time is a chance to get better and mm-hmm. try to get on the radar of some other schools. Yep. So take me through the timeline because you weren't here for the beginning of preseason camp in 2021, were you? Did no. you come in late? So I came in really late. I came in like, I think if I can remember, probably like the same day that fall camp may have started. So it was like really like right, like right then, as soon as I got in, like was like ready to go. And it was crazy because I actually had to go back to Toronto, get some things set up, like get get all my, basically all my clothes, all my things, and then ended up coming back down. It was a very small window of time to like get a lot of things done, but the coaches made it happen. And um, I'm so indebted and so grateful, like so grateful for it. We talked off the air as... Yeah, 2021 season starts at Washington. I mean, we're standing at Washington and it's a rainy day, rain off and on. And all of a sudden, game's not going the way anybody wanted to. And from my standpoint, and I know from yours, you have a different But like from my standpoint, they start calling this name out on the PA as a guy making tackles. I'm like, I, I've never heard of this dude. It's the first I say, we've got a guy out there making plays, get his name called, and I've never heard of the guy well and that doesn't look very good for us being the broadcast (laughs) team but it was very unique in the fact that all of a sudden you're out there making all these tackles and you know we pay attention very closely throughout fall camp to see who's out there with each unit you know who's making plays and, and you're right we get around to that washington game and we look at you on the roster and who's this Canadian, a hundred and eighty pound linebacker out there making tackles yeah. for us. Well, and, and the truth is, you're saying remember <laughs> so you get to that game like and I mean remember that you had Jeff Hankins as your spotter. Malik was not on the numerical roster. He was, he not. was only on the alphabetical one. Which we've all you and I have claimed forever is absolutely useless. The alphabetical <laughs> That's roster. That's exactly right. It is useless. Except the, except for this one instance, because you were on the alphabetical, but not the numerical. So, and, and you wouldn't call him that because you knew that was not the deep snapper making tackles. That's who he shared a number with. Yes. 
Yeah, proud of that. Jack, I, I, Jack was Jack's not a bad guy to share a number with. Though. That's right. I, I knew that was not Jack Bullard out there making those tackles. So finally, after you put it all together, we knew that it was somebody else making those tackles, and uh, turns out it, it was Malik. And it was just one of those rare instances where all of a sudden somebody pops up that we didn't know about going in and you played a lot that 2021 season you played in 10 games you started five games 50 tackles had a 14 tackle game at georgia state so especially as late as you came in were you surprised that you played so much Um, right away not necessarily because i just i firmly believe in like a compound effect of just like what the work that you did in the past, like, is going to all, like, it's going to just compound into the future. Like, it's going to keep getting better and better. So, like, I know that that time of, like, COVID, like I said, just always, like, working and grinding and just keep going and going and going that, like, whenever my break kind of came, that I'd be ready and I'd be prepared for it. And with the opportunities that I did get, I think I did a decent job with them and then just always looked to improve. So I wouldn't say I was necessarily surprised, but I always know that there's room for more. Then the following year, 2022, 11 games, seven starts. You had 81 tackles a season ago, second most on the team. One of your better performances came toward the end of the season at Texas State. Had 14 tackles, a couple of sacks in that game. Did you feel like towards the end of the year you were starting to play your best ball? Yeah, so I did feel like, I did feel that way. Coach said something that was that was pretty inspiring he said to the team one was your best game that you that y'all have played and then he told everybody he said all right now everyone has the vision in their mind you guys probably remember what you were wearing that game you probably met, remember how you felt that game just everything and he said when y'all go out and y'all are playing you need to understand that like you want to go back to that place you want to go back to that game right mentally he ended up telling me later that that was the best game that I had played and uh, I felt that way I did feel that way like internally I felt that it was the best game that I played and moving forward I felt like I can continue to have that same kind of feeling that same kind of like effort towards a game same kind of energy towards a game and yeah like that was probably the time where I felt like I was finally starting to get into form you play with a lot of energy yeah thank you where's that come from (laughs) <laughs> I guess I've always just kind of been like that. My teammates kind of make a little the jokes about it. It's kind of funny. But like that waking up at 4.30 thing, that whole deal, like when I'm up, I'm up. It's not like a drowsy or like kind of just, you know, I'm like wired, like ready to go. Like it's I guess it's something that I kind of just this is just the way I am, the who I am. Do you set an alarm or at this point it just happens? It, it's so ironic because I uh that you say that because I was actually having a conversation saying that like I keep waking up before the alarm now so I wake up at 3:53 every day by accident and then have to go back to sleep for that alarm to go off at 4:30 so it's kind of funny but that you said that but so if you're on the road for a six o'clock football game mm-hmm. game day you get up at 4:30 no no no. What's say? That would not make you a very popular no. Uh, roommate. No, 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 no. <laughs> I got to make sure I'm smart with it. So, so yeah. What time do you go to bed if you're waking up at four? So I go to bed at ten because I feel like that's just the the smartest time for me. That's the time I'm actually gonna be like in bed for sure. Like nine thirty. If I try to do nine thirty, it wouldn't. It just never works. So with a little bit of trial and error, I, I realized ten is probably the best time. So what are you gonna end up with a degree in? Business admin i'm doing that just because i feel like it's the most flexible i i don't know i pride myself on just being somebody who loves to connect loves to have a lot of passion about whatever it is that i'm doing 
And then I think that with with that degree and then moving forward, that I, I think that I could have a, a good bit of success in that. I know you kind of earlier referenced that you don't necessarily know, but I'm going to kind of press on it a little bit. What could you see yourself writing some sometime down the line? Honestly, this book of quotes. <laughs> so basically there's this thing that I do where it could be a conversation we're having right now. It could be a conversation that you and I just had in the car, but you could have said something that I felt resonated with me or felt that I felt like was kind of impactful in some way. I'll like log it in my mind kind of, and then I'll write it down later and I'll write down, kind of kind of try to remember the time and stuff like that, that it was said. And I felt like a book that I'll end up writing later on is kind of like a book that kind of brings about kind of a story through that. This was said to me by said person on said day and people can kind of make their own little impression of whatever that may mean to them. So I think that's because I think I'm also like really fascinated about quotes and about like the things that people say, because everyone has like, I guess, like a story, but everyone has a different way of kind of having a message, like however they convey their message. Right. So, yeah, I think that's probably something I didn't writing about, just like quotes and things that people say. I, guess. I can see Bobo's mind turning right now. He's mm-hmm. trying to come up with something really trying to make deep that book. <laughs> why he, he wants to be in that book. <laughs> that's right. When we play today, we win something bigger than ribbons or trophies. We win our tomorrows. Wherever we play, wherever we fight, wherever we overcome odds, we're winning our way. Simmons Bank is committed to supporting women athletes in the communities we serve and are proud to be an official sponsor of A-State Women's Athletics. Not just for a season, but for a winning future. Seasons are short, but fierce is forever. Simmons Bank, member FDIC. This is Coach Butch Jones, and we need you to help our A-State athletic programs by donating to the Impact Club. This is an organization that is making a real difference in the lives of our student-athletes. Make a monthly commitment and get access to team newsletters, special gear, and exclusive access that you will not find anywhere else. Find out more and give today at impactclub.com. That's impact spelled I-M-P-A-C-K-T club.com. Your support is greatly appreciated and is helping our programs right now. Wolves up. Uh, talking with Malik Straker here on the Second to None podcast presented by Simmons Bank. We did see a lot of improvement from 2021 to 2022 when you talk about the defense as a whole. Brad and I talked about it last year. There was that stretch first half of 2021 that was I know extremely tough. Mm-hmm. We saw it get better in the second half of the season but that was a pretty good defense that you were a part of last year. Mm-hmm. How are you going to take that next step as a unit going into 2023? Uh, connectivity and uh, composure. We have a very, very hardworking and very willing uh, unit right now. That's the biggest thing that I found just with anybody in any team, like any individual in general. Like it's, are you willing to do what it takes? And coach says all the time, like, it takes what it takes. And we have a defensive unit right now to do that. Uh, the connected part that I said about just connectivity is being together more, being around each other more. There's certain things that happen on a football field that are solely based off of you being connected to your brother. Like, you just understanding your brother, understanding that, like, he's going to have my back on this play because I know, like, when we did it in practice so many times, this is how we set it up. That's the place that we're getting right now because a lot of times it's, it takes, we call like this defense especially, like a living, breathing thing. There's, it's pieces of a puzzle and people need to fit in their piece of the puzzle. And I think that it takes time for a defense to mature. Like this living, living breathing thing needed a little bit of time to mature. So the strides that are going to go forward are just going to be amazing. 
What's your relationship like with Coach Jones? I think we have a pretty good relationship. I think I understand him pretty well, and I think he understands me very well, um, probably better than I know myself at times. He's been able to pinpoint things within me that I didn't, I wasn't able to be aware of, or I wasn't aware of at the time. He's helped me tremendously. He's taught me what it is to how to lead correctly. I enjoy, I guess, like learning from him every day, not only just like football wise, but just like learning, just watching him, studying him, how he operates, how he does things. So I'll just let you fill in a blank here. If Butch Jones wasn't a football coach, he would be a successful marketing agent, <laughs> marketing agent, but like businessman in general, but marketing agent. I, yeah. I can see that. Yeah. What about Coach Harley and Coach Shalala? Those are the guys that I know you're working closest with. Yeah, they're both masterminds. Like those are two people as well. I love watching work. Like just the way because we have a lot of meetings together, and um, I want to learn to think at their level about the game. Shalala is like an offensive genius, so like he, so it made it a lot easier for him to understand defense, how that works, and then you know filling in the blanks to go and deal with an offense, but. Learning from them, watching them, how they operate, and this like they demand perfection. They demand like details, and so in them doing that every day and not letting anything slide, it only makes room for improvement, right? So again, like I can always speak highly of like every single one of our coaches, just because like I believe I have such a belief in like our program, and I have such a belief in like our coaches and just everything that's going on up at that stadium. I would think, especially playing your position that seeing it from an offensive perspective Mm -hmm. has to really help you and your preparation just kind of anticipating where guys are going to be at exactly so that's the biggest thing that i think uh coach shalala helps me with is understanding like just offensive scheme i've started to get to a point now where like i can kind of see things a lot easier before they kind of happen there's things that you can pick up on a little bit easier, like back to you. It's most likely the run's most likely going away, back away from you, but it's most likely coming to you and stuff like that. The why off the ball, what that tells you, just like his split, what certain splits will tell you, a tight split by two and things like that. So just understanding those little nuances of the game and getting to that level where you're now having these conversations with your coaches that were not like basic level stuff in the beginning and they're now like really complex and now you're starting to understand the game to the point of like, how your coach is calling it to the point where you're now on the field with your middle linebacker and your your will linebacker and you're you're looking at each other and y'all know what what to call because you know what you're seeing. I mean, most everybody would include you in a group of the leaders on this football team. So when it comes to leadership, is that something that you strive for? That 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 what you want? You understand that you just have that ability and that's what you'll do, or are you? I mean, some people are even reluctant to be a leader. What sort of leader? would you say you are? I definitely strive to be a leader. I think one of the things, like I said, like I pray about all the time is like I want to be able to inspire. I think it's a really high form. Any way that I can possibly do that, like if it's in a positive way, of course, like any way that I can do that, I want to do that. Or if I'm in a position to do that, if I have an opportunity to do that, I want to do that. So I think the biggest thing just with leadership that I've learned thus far is you, you need to understand your teammates or the people that you're, I guess, in a position of leadership towards. And I think that, I do that by having conversations with my teammates. And then not only that, like we get put in those positions. We have opportunities to do that through our fourth and one program that coach runs. It's just turning young men into men and leaders. Like, you know, so we get opportunities to like really learn our teammates in those settings. Mentioned when you came in in 2021, 
you were listed as 180 pounds, which yeah. you don't you, you don't see college linebackers <laughs> listed at that weight very often. You were listed at 201 going into last year. Yeah. So, are you up? Yeah. So I'm I'm a 210 right now, and I plan on playing the season around there. Feels good. Feels better. Feels stronger. Feels fat. It's faster. So we don't leave anything for I guess guessing at uh, at a state. Everything is going to be timed. Everything is going to be measured. So like the improvements that have been made, I, I guess they'll they'll be seen come September second in Oklahoma. It really is. I mean, it's what you say. And I know Coach Jones is. I mean, it starts with him. But really, when you get to Jeff Jones, I mean, oh yeah, it, it, dude's a scientist. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So like it's just everything that we do, like every everything that we do, we we get to I guess understand why we get to understand why we're doing it, and then like you see the improvements like incredibly, like incredibly quick. Like you see the improvements that that I guess we want. We want to see the fat, the 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 speed growth in like our necks and our back and just like everything. It's like it's it's amazing to see. And the thing about this linebacking core, and I know it was a position of concern, kind of going into that twenty twenty one season, but. Now we got some guys with on-field playing experience. You got guys like Jaden Harris, Cam Jeffrey, Javante Mackey. I know Charles Willickus has had a good offseason. Dane Motley, uh, he's your roommate. And then you add somebody like a Gavin Potter, the Kansas transfer. This group as a whole, you got to feel pretty good about right now. So this group, I think, is is, it kind of, I think we set the temperament for the team. Which is honestly what I think you'd want, honestly, from your linebacker core. Your linebackers need to be sideline to sideline. They need to be the ones that are, have energy. They, be, they need to be vocal. They need to be the ones that communicate and facilitate. And I think that we're doing a, a tremendous job of that right now. But again, we need to continue to improve and continue to stress it over this time in July, where the coaches are away and it's now transitioning from a you know coach led to a player led team. So, and that's yeah. what Coach Jones wants. Yeah, exactly. We've got a pretty good tradition of linebackers around here. Oh, yeah. You're a DeMario Davis fan? Yep. So, like, watching him and then and then understanding and knowing that, like, he created something here, like, stamped something within here that, like, we have to, I guess, have some type of pride for. Honestly, like, that's amazing because that, that gives you just an added, an added level of just, like, inspiration to just, like, uphold that tradition. And for you, guys, you said, you know, the state of goals to play in the NFL— and this day and time where with the portal guys are bouncing left and right and always headed for greener grass, it's got to be pretty neat to walk into a position room with a guy's name on who happens to be one of, if not the best linebacker in the NFL right now and oh, say, yeah. well, gosh, then you can get there from here. Yep. Like, and then we, again, like we have, we even have a, like a picture of him in there. So, and like, so that's like set as a small reminder every single day, having someone like that to be able to like, you know, look at in a spot, like he's in a position that you're, that you're trying to get to. It gives you it gives you the blueprint. It just puts the blueprint right in front of you and allows you to just, you know, essentially go and follow it. What's your favorite part about being at A State? I'd say the team, just because it's it's something that we're building. It's a form, I guess, of building something back to what it like what it was, what it used to be. Something that's like, you know, like us winning all those championships back in the day. And mm-hmm. then, like, understanding that right now we're a team and we're a university on a mission, like just as a whole, like the togetherness of the university is probably the, the the number one thing. Everyone like coming together for that common goal of like being one A state. So I think that's probably the biggest thing. And outside of that, like whenever I get an opportunity to 
just go around JB, like just Jonesboro in general. Like I really like I'm starting to realize because at, at first, like you always like consume to like your, your room, you're consumed to like the campus. And then you decide to like go out a little bit more, look around and see what's going on. And like Jonesboro is a beautiful place. So I guess that's another great part about being at a state. Whether it was you picked it up at Alabama or here, what's your southern comfort food that you didn't grow up able to eat in Canada? Oh, man. Grits. We don't have grits back home. <laughs> if you ask for grits, okay, they're going to yeah. look if you're at gonna you. If you're going to live in the South, yeah. you got to eat some grits. <laughs> they're going to ask you, they're going to say, like, if you ask for grits back home, they'd probably look at you like, what? Like, you can't, what is that? Like, <laughs> that's not a thing. But there's no Tim Hortons here. Yeah, there's no Tim Hortons. Y'all need a Tim Hortons. <laughs> Tim Hortons. Have you ever had Tim Hortons? Yes. Not? Oh, yeah. Tim Hortons is amazing. Man, it's been fun visiting with you today and really appreciate you coming in. Can't wait to see you and the rest of the defense coming up very soon. It's going to be here before you know it. I appreciate that. And I appreciate y'all having me. That's Thank Malik you. Straker joining us here on the Second to None podcast presented by Simmons Bank. We'll wrap things up right after this. The Simmons Bank Card Alerts app lets you get more from your Simmons debit and credit cards. Set transaction alerts to be notified of certain card activity and choose how you receive each alert. You can suspend your card, set a spend limit, or decline specific transaction types. You can even manage multiple cards. If your debit card is lost or stolen or you're opening a new account, you can immediately get a new card just by visiting your nearby Simmons branch. Learn more at SimmonsBank.com forward slash debit card. Simmons Bank, member FDIC. Red Wolf fans, this is Demario Davis, proud Red Wolf and linebacker for the New Orleans Saints. And I'm asking you to help out our current A-State student athletes by donating to the Impact Club. This organization helps our program stay competitive and supports our players by facilitating NIL agreements that allow them to endorse local charities, make a monthly commitment, and get access to team newsletters, special gear, and exclusive access you won't find anywhere else. Find out more and give today at Impact Club. Club.com. Thank you, and Wolves up. Wrapping things up here on the Second to None podcast, presented by Simmons Bank. You heard that Impact Club commercial there from Demario Davis. Actually recorded that with Demario over Zoom back on Friday night. And Bobo, I thought it was really cool. And of course, we know the kind of guy that Demario is, and how he's kind of jumped on board with the Impact Club and wanting to be on the board and and help out as much as possible. For him to take time on a Friday night and record something to to help out the Impact Club, I think said a lot. And we got to talk about some other things too. And who knows, he might be joining us on this very podcast very soon. Well, we can make it work if he wants to. We could probably... We'll squeeze him in. Squeeze him in there, yep. Speaking of uh, A-State football, the uh, kickoff party for A-State football has uh, been announced. It's coming up on August 18th. It'll be at the Student Activity Center. It's presented by Ray's Rump Shack. And uh, it's kind of a combination of a couple of events that we've had in the past. You know, we've had the Helmets and Heels event for many years, and we've also had our big preseason kickoff banquet. And what we're going to do this year is – Combine the two. What they'll do is doors will open at 5 o'clock. The official program will begin at 7.30, which we're told will be air-conditioned for the event. That's the plan. 5 o'clock in the operations center, going to have a silent auction, 
X's and O's segments led by the assistant coaches and shopping opportunities with local vendors that will be on site displaying uh, A-State apparel, gifts, and gear. The silent auction will take place in the J-Town's Grill recruiting room and vendors will be located in uh, various position meeting rooms. Now, those in attendance will also have the opportunity to view some of the operations center's premier areas. We're talking about the team room, the weight room, the locker room, the training room and then dinner will be available in the sack beginning at 6 30 so dinner at 6 30 the program begins at 7 30 gonna have coach jones on stage jeff purinton will be there and then something that i thought was really cool last year we had a player panel up on stage and did kind of an interview session with them so we'll have that as well coming up at 7 30 that night yeah it'll be a, a fun evening and a full evening and Get everybody's mind right for the season. You would hope that uh, and, and expect that Seth Simmons from Ray's Rump Shack is going to have that banana pudding there. And oh, well. That's worth the price of admission. We don't need to say anything else. That other stuff is cool, but come for the <laughs> come banana for the, pudding. Yeah, come for the banana pudding stay for the program. The uh, basketball teams, both on campus now, the women's team actually reported last week and then men's basketball making an announcement here in the last couple of days alex harris will be the new director of player development for the men do want to mention this too another bit of news coming from the athletic department and these are the guys that take care of us all the time our media relations folks jerry scott mark taylor caleb garner that crew recognized by college sports communicators and they had a creative and digital design contest annually they judge submitted publication and promotional materials in multiple different categories they were voted fourth in the university division's fall sports game notes category and the 2023 a-state baseball reference guide which was written and compiled by caleb garner with uh, assistance from jen hannah and adam ergel was ranked third in the spring sports media guide category so pretty neat recognition for them those guys uh, do great work especially mark and caleb are really good most of that stuff, it's going to be designed and material put together. You can bank on it being those two, and it's good to see. We'll, we'll throw in their, Jerry too. I mean, he brought him in. Yeah, he right? did. So he gets. You know, he did that. You got back from vacation. How'd that go? It was good. Yeah, I went. Um, let's see. Left on uh, a Wednesday last week. Came back in on. Uh, traveled in on the fourth, which was a pretty good travel day you know i guess you could say we did central florida because we flew into tampa and drove down to clearwater for we didn't go to the the beach per se but we went and ate at hulk hogan's restaurant in clearwater beach that was our first stop was he there was was the hulkster there and the thing that was maybe frustrating about that is there's two things there's hogan's hangout and there's hogan's beach shop hogan's beach shop is like is this merchandise store with a bunch of his merch and wrestling stuff and that's where i was really looking forward to taking the boys there and it wasn't open because the city's doing work on the like they have left the sidewalk closed for a stretch of like three or four businesses hogan's beach shop was one of them but we did eat at the at the uh, restaurant it was it was fine yeah and then one day of disney that's plenty oh did you hit the magic kingdom yeah, magic kingdom the coolest thing we did and that's what i was looking at when we were talking to Sokievi, the most accurate information on saturday we drove from uh, kissimmee where we were staying down to we we're going to coco beach and spend the day at coco beach well saw online 
And it really, it wasn't that we necessarily set out to do this, but just kind of end up being at the right place at the right time to pull over on the side of the road with several other people and stand on the edge of the water there at Port Canaveral where the cruise ships come in and out. There was a Disney cruise ship in the port. There was another one, I think, a carnival ship that was there. But you could see across to Kennedy Space Center, and there was a SpaceX rocket launch Saturday morning. You got to see it. And we saw it, yes. Yeah, wow. We saw them launch a rocket into space. with a. It was the uh, it was a European Euclid Space Telescope on a SpaceX Falcon 9 rocket that's headed with a telescope that's being sent in to work on a 3D map of the dark universe. Okay. And so, and you just happened... I, I looked, we had looked before and, and had seen that didn't think there was any there were any launches scheduled. We looked to see, and then we looked again on Friday and they had a launch scheduled for eleven twelve Saturday morning, and the times worked out. That's kind of when we were coming through, so we pulled over, had to wait maybe fifteen minutes, and I was even by that point I even got my AirPods out, was watching NASA's live feed, and and <laughs> yeah, we stood. I mean, there was a lot of people that did that, and boats all out in the water. Everybody watched the rocket launch. Well, it sounds like a great trip. So that 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 was pretty cool. Anything else you need to get off your chest? I don't think so. I'm just trying to think of what uh, it would you're be. You're back from vacation. Yeah, you're back. I mean, yeah, there, I'm move. sure there's plenty of stuff. I thought about it, and I made a social media post about this. I, I I kept making sure I was hearing this right at the airport in Orlando, flying home on Tuesday, because this recorded PSA would come over, and this lady's voice at the end she'd say, "Oh, something effective that you should avoid transporting baggage." without your knowledge okay and my question i kept saying maybe i didn't hear that right and it cycle back around and said somebody a, a traveler should avoid transporting baggage without their knowledge how do you do that because if you had knowledge of it wouldn't be an unknown baggage anymore you'd know it was there and if it's an unknown bag how can i avoid it because i don't know the damn thing's there i hope you did avoid that though i, I think i did to the best and we had plenty of bags believe me it's not that one or two couldn't have got in there didn't know about Hey, thanks again to Malik Straker joining us. Really enjoyed that visit. Thanks to our man, Jerry Scott, for setting that up. For Brad and everyone who's been a part of this one, I'm mad. Have a great week, everybody.